Recording one. Good evening, uh, listener. My name is Dr. Emmett Garcia Chalamet. Uh, what you are about to hear is a sort of account of the nature of the world in which we live and of that which we do not fully understand. Before I move forward, I request that you keep an open mind and operate under the assumption of two very complex truths. The first is that much of what we believe to be supernatural is in fact our reality. Cryptids seclude themselves in our woods, sewers, and oceans. Secret covens practice witchcraft and wizardry for both good and evil purposes. We walk by the weird every day. We just fail to notice. The supernatural does have rules, and while we are still learning new ones each day, knowing that there are definite rules provides some, some comfort in knowing that you can plan, prepare, and act in the event of something strange. The second is that you are safe. I have been all across the world, and I know with great certainty that for every ghost and ghoul that goes bump in the night, there is a brave and noble watchman ready to turn on the lights. They are your postal worker, your dog walker, your museum curator. Because they operate in secret, the world may rest easy at night. Things may go wrong from time to time, I won't lie. But know that as long as you have a few good neighbors watching over you, you are safe. In fact, in the time that I have lived here in Constance, Louisiana, I have encountered several others who have turned out to be exceptionally capable at keeping the darkness at bay. I have gathered them here tonight for the express purpose of keeping a proper account of who and why we were in the event that something should happen. These tapes will be recorded separately to maintain the privacy of the speaker and shall only be accessed by others in the event the speaker should meet an untimely death or otherwise disappear. Does everyone here agree to that? Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Woo, Friday night! Wait, I thought we were going out for drinks. Is that, is that off the table? We can do that after. Okay, excellent. All but one of us will now step outside, and then we will, one by one, tell our story. Who would like to go first? Uh, I guess I'll take that honor. Uh, ain't really much for me to say. Very well. Everyone else, let's go ahead and give him his privacy. All right, then. Uh, this thing's on, right? Okay, where do I begin? Uh, hi, I guess. I'm Flint O'Hare. I've been pretty aware of the whole monster thing for uh, quite a number of decades now. Not a magical person, no psychic or superpowers or anything. I just, I just know what to look for, that's all. Read a lot of books. Uh, before all this monster shit, I had a lot going for me. Back when I was in college, I had a 4.0 GPA, I was a quarterback, threw a ton of parties, I was in the choir, I had rich parents, you know, everything. And my life was going really well. So of course some monster comes along and fucks it all up. Spent the last couple decades since driving around America trying to find proof and warn people about this shit. 
but no one wants to believe a strange old man barking about three goblins in a trench coat trying to sneak into an R-rated movie. Constance was the last place I, uh, got to before my truck broke down, and really couldn't afford to fix it, so I've been semi-homeless ever since. If, uh, you'd believe it, a different weird old man came to help me during a storm. Let me stay in an empty storage unit. Uh, but he only speaks Gaelic, and I can't really understand it all that well, so I never know what he's saying. His name's Mr. Delaney, uh, he's been real generous the whole time I've been here. Sends me cryptic hints, dirt bike, cool herbs, he's great, you know, and always knows exactly what I'm doing and what I need. Uh, since we met, I've been chasing leads on monsters, weird magical gear, and doing odd jobs around town. And Delaney always there when I need him. Oh, and I got a pen pal, I guess. Uh, his name's Lewis. He's, uh, he's a lot like I used to be. Real bright. He's in the town's uh, ghost hunting club, seems to have a lot of his shit together. I tried to keep him out of this life, but I guess things don't really pan out like you want. Kid got infected by a monster, and it's pretty hard to tell someone to go back to being normal after that. He did teach me how to use Twitter, though, so that was cool. And, uh, I think that's it. I'm not really complicated otherwise. Since I've met the other hunters... It's weird to say other hunters. I've been doing this on my own for so long. But uh, since I met them, I've had a lot more success finding everything. It's a good team. Real good. I think we're calling ourselves the good neighbors. Like uh, like the doctor said earlier. It's an alright name. References fey folk and whatnot. Anyway, that's pretty much what uh, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, what's up, time ghosts? I'm, uh, I'm June Traherne. I'd say I'm pretty much the most fuckable member of the team, but I guess since you're only listening to this, you gotta take my word for it. I think we're calling ourselves The Last Nights with a K. It's fun, because it's kind of confusing, like Last Nights without a K. It's, uh, like the, uh, Wonders versus Oneaters. I don't know, we're still workshopping. What do I say here? <sighs> I think B Crime Do Gay sums up the whole backstory pretty well. I used to run with the South Swamp Devils, which is like a queer anarchist gang made up of runaways that does community care and hooliganism. One of her crew got really messed up by something nasty. So we tried to form a neighborhood watch scenario to protect folks on the streets. Cops don't do shit for folks like us about mundane things. They weren't going to protect us from fucking Draculas and Snallygasters. We did what we could to learn the truth about what's out there and try to protect the people in our neighborhood and other runaways and ourselves, but none of us knew what the fuck we were doing, though, so we couldn't really catch any of these things. Just scare them off or help get folks out of Dodge. That all changed when Mr. James Pale showed up. He's an extremely well-dressed man who owns a classy bar downtown. He somehow knew about what the devils were doing, and 
He seemed kind of impressed with our little neighborhood watch. He offered me a deal. The devils in the neighborhood would not be bothered if I came and worked for him. I could learn the ways to protect my people and my neighborhood, and he'd get certain things from me in return, which ain't important for y'all to know about. Burger Vrim has a lot of bullshit Yoda-type magic lessons and running bar at Eden's Last Tavern. To get new powers, we do these kind of high-concept Jedi mind trials in my dreams, which hurt like fucking hell. He also makes deals with a bunch of the other folk in town and has me run uh, errands for him. It's all very secretive. I hardly ever know what anything's actually about. He says that secrecy is one of the big things for us, otherwise the magic don't just, just don't work. It's also how I met the Baron. Who's been giving me a lot of shit lately? Same kind of deal, creepy motherfucker. Arrogant bastard, knows too much about everything. He owns a store in town, only wears suits. He's a lot like James, only he's a lot more overtly evil and cruel. I can't tell if he hates James or if it's just some sort of competition between the two of them, but he's been trying to blackmail me into working for him instead. If I randomly end up dead and you don't know who did it, it might be worth putting the Baron at the top of the suspect list. And if things ever do go south with Pale and I in a big way, these recordings could really help us remember what really happens. I think that's probably good, though. So, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. Captain's Log. Stardate Thursday. Is this supposed to be formal? Mr. Chalamet sounded formal, but that's like saying this morning's rain was wet. Uh, my name is Beck Tui, short for Rebecca, but even my mom gave up on that one. Flint calls me the badass, which is real sweet, but maybe a little hyperbolic. I'm pretty normal. Outside of tooling around with the Boo Crew, working title, I pull ships at a movie rental called Little Hollywood. I'm, I'm three medium coffees away from a free latte on my PJ's loyalty punch card. And I take Shito Ryu Karate with Grandmaster Chuck Hayes. And maybe am in a secret society dedicated to monster hunting. I'm not, like, supposed to say this, but I guess because it's a time capsule, I'm more or less gravy. Grandmaster Chuck Hayes was running this ping pong club at the Y that I kept getting rejected from, despite being the Malong of Louisiana. Wasn't my proudest months-long series of moments, but I kind of stalked them until I found out that they don't even pong, and it's just a cover for an organization called the Bulwark. It's like a magical, ancient order of warriors that protects people from monsters. So it rips. We rip. I rip, and I'm known to rip. Master Hayes is a real good guy, too. A real woodsy, folksy wisdom kind of middle-aged dad. He doesn't have kids, but... That's his energy. Sometimes I think he's a little too paranoid, but it's not Dracula's, it's Beacon's, I guess. Oh, oh, the Beacon is like the Bulwark's evil counterpart, a splinter group that screwed the Warkies over sometime around the Great New Orleans Fire in the 18th century. They stole a bunch of artifacts and posted up in the swamp to wear cow skulls and eat spiders and shit. I don't know. Somewhere along the line, I guess they got into their heads that... When monsters take over the world, it's better to worship them than to fight them. 
So yeah, pretty normal. It's, uh, it's my turn, I guess. Uh, now, for the record, I was promised this was inadmissible in court. So this is all strictly off the record, okay? Uh, all right. My name is Cassius Montgomery. Uh, well, if you need this for like legal reasons, like next to kins and stuff, I guess you could have you'd have to look up Bill Edwards. Um, I am the final member of the Montgomery's Monster Slaying Jug Band LLC, and I'm pretty new to the whole monster thing. It uh, took a little getting used to, I'm not going to lie. Uh, oh, you may uh, know me as the popular television psychic Cassius Montgomery. Uh, I had a show called Antiques Horror Show. I got a couple of cease and desists from the Antiques Road Show. Actually, it was pretty cool to get their attention. You know, I mean, I'm a little bit of a big deal, but... uh. Obviously, as a television psychic, I was and, well, uh, continue to be a, shall we say, man of confidence, a uh, seller of snake oil, a used car salesman with no car. Um, but let's let's rewind a little bit, okay? Let's start from the beginning. My origin story begins in the salty claws of the greater New England lobster trade. Uh, now, this period of my life was too filled with a lobster-fueled angst for me to return to, even in summary. But uh, let's just say, luckily for me, I met a man named J.J. Halliday, who taught me all the sleight-of-mouth techniques a young charisma artist could need before he vanished into the wind with a full tank of prize-winning lobsters, destined, I'm sure, for the infamous black market lobster operation now i uh first encountered the weird stuff uh during an episode of antiques horror show uh when someone brought in this fucked up doll uh now she had rope clothes and ratty hair and like a beady little black eyes uh i found out later that she was a part of a set that got discontinued really soon after they started production so there's only like eight of them and that uh haunts my dreams uh regardless when i looked into her eyes live on set uh, things were just different. You know, I couldn't describe it then, and I can't describe it now. They were just different. Uh, and I was on a road. I was on the road a lot for the show. Went back and forth across the country, and she always found a way back to me, like the world's most traumatizing boomerang. Anyways, uh, ever since I saw her, I feel like uh, she must have she must have given me some kind of power, like. When we connect, I see things, you know, hear things, like I'm somewhere else, but I'm not, and I'm not on shrooms either, don't worry, I checked, but yeah, I don't really know much else other than that. I'm beginning to think that maybe I'm not a con man after all, like maybe I really am psychic, or maybe I've just pulled the perfect con and grifted even myself. I don't know. I guess in summary, it is what it is. Alright, as I said earlier, my name is Emmett, I have a doctorate in American literature, and I am the author of the popular horror series Periphery. I once traveled across the world with my husband Martin Chalamet as we attempted to document our experiences with the supernatural, much of which would form the inspiration for my fiction. Martin was, far and away, one of the most magically adept people I have ever known, not that I have known many, but still. Eventually, we had a differing of opinions on how to deal with monsters living in our world. 
While I had taken to the philosophy that you have to take time for yourself and pursue your happiness, Martin had fallen into a trap of thinking that once you had discovered the truth, that there were cruel and wicked creatures out there, it was your duty to spend every waking minute stopping them for the good of humanity. This extreme determination combined with his magical prowess led him to becoming something altogether different. I mean that literally and figuratively. I decided it was best to try and settle down by myself after that. Unfortunately, my dear sister Edith had her own array of problems. Her daughter, Rashida, somehow became spiritually linked with a Wisconsin cryptid known as the Hodag, and the two have shared a psychic link ever since. Edith and I spent years attempting to find a way to sever that connection, but so far have had no such luck. Edith is currently being treated at a hospital back in Wisconsin for a series of issues that have developed over the course of her studies. Rashida has been in my care ever since Edith was admitted. Now that we've established our personal accounts, I would like to have a record of the recent goings-on in town. Monster activity has escalated lately, and it may be useful to have some record of everyone's experiences with them. I will attempt to provide an accurate, succinct explanation as best I can, though much of my information is second-hand. Each person here should provide their own account as well, hopefully providing the fullest record that we can. Before that, I should mention some things about Constance. Primarily, I want to address that, in nearly every way, it should be insignificant. It's not too densely populated, but it's no ghost town either. It's artsy and a fair bit of old money sleeps here, but otherwise it's average economically. It's not so isolated in the wilderness that we'd be close to the more powerful monsters that so often seclude themselves. <sighs> uh, Constance floods often, as we sit between an ocean and marshland, but we don't have a higher than normal population of aquatic creatures. I cannot stress enough how strange it is that we have had no less than three high-profile monster encounters in the span of a month. Perhaps if you, the listener, hear these tapes someday, you'll catch something that we missed. The first encounter played a longer game than the others. A local high school student was being stalked by a sort of teleporting goblin called a water leaper for some time and he had eventually caught on, but before he could get into contact with people he thought could help, he was kidnapped by said creature. I was close at the time, but I was unable to rescue him before that happened. I've been trailing it for a bit before running into old man O'Hare doing the same thing. I guess my magic, or the snooping, caught the monster's attention, and it started jinxing out, causing bad luck wherever we went. It set the gas station on fire. No one got hurt, but that place had the most passable hot dogs. Before Flint and Beck showed up, Cassius and I had already cornered one of the minions in the community center basement. It was a real ugly little bastard. I used a spell to understand its weird Schmeagle language, and it told me that it kidnapped the kid so that the real monster could play mommy? Like feeding him soup and playing with toys? with some real awkward shit. We let the uh, water leaper escape so we could follow it back to its master. And we ended up on the edge of a swamp outside of town. 
we decided we didn't know enough about the uh, creature to take it on. So June took us to a weird spooky shop run by that barren guy. Beck had already figured out that the real monster was a Beldam. It's like a hag that's really maternal and likes to baby their victims before they eat them or kill them or whatever. So getting info was pretty easy. Then we went back to my storage shed, stocked up and headed out. The swamps weren't really that bad. You know, once you know about lobster psychology, uh, you pretty much understand all aquatic creatures. Uh, we found the kid all wrapped up in a moss cocoon with a big swamp lady leering over him. It, it, it said some kind of like boilerplate creepy shit, so we beat it to death with some iron tent spikes. Uh, I don't really know what the deal was, but uh, we took the kid to meet June's boss, uh, who seemed kind of like Slenderman had a kid with one of those inflatable flaily guys from the car dealerships. Uh, I guess we needed him to make sure that the kid wasn't possessed, uh, but then we dropped the kid at the hospital, and I still haven't seen a dime of the reward. The next creature was substantially less elegant. It released millions of these green spores across the town during a rainstorm, but fortunately we were able to get on its trail quickly. This one appeared only a handful of days after the previous one. That fucker's the reason Lewis got caught up in all this shit. At some point, one of its minions kidnapped him and turned him into a fucking were-gator. We figured out that as long as we could keep him from breathing in the spores, he wouldn't turn, though. Still, I don't think we ever figured out if he killed anyone when he did transform. Not too sure if we want to. Okay, so then we ran into one of the were-gators down at the harbor, and it kicked our asses like it was its job, until we trapped it into a magic bubble. I'm glad we got it, though, because once we brought it with us in for an autopsy, Flint worked out that the big mama monster was called a clutch, which is like a Cronenberg hive mindy fuck nest that absorbs people and spits out their were-sona. In this case, it was Crocs, because fuck us, I guess. It was pretty obvious that we couldn't just fight a bunch of were-gators head-on by ourselves. And if we wanted to get to the clutch, we'd need backup. Beck called in her mysterious ninja wizards, and I put in a call to the South Swamp Devils. I could tell Beck's martial arts Gandalf was real impressed with my magic, which was truly humbling. Lumberjack Daddy didn't say so, but I could tell by his eyes that he was real awed by my tactical mind and spell sling. Once we figured out that all we had to do was pollute the water that the clutch was in, it's pretty easy to get like a bunch of gas and chlorine and steal a truck and just kind of launch it into the clutch's pool like some Captain Planet villains. Yeah, we got uh, fucked up real bad. Um, the, the clutch was hiding out in a water treatment plant, but because life is pain and because water treatment plants are not designed for truck use, our bioterrorism mobile got stuck on its way in. So we had to do a uh, Saving Private Ryan charge and everything to give it a push. That's where things got a little bit out of hand and also where I started bleeding a lot. Uh, we got through, the truck fell into the clutch's tank, the water got poisoned, killed the gators, we got revenge for them torching my car, and everything pretty much went back to normal. Uh, we all got pizza afterwards, and uh, then I think we went to the hospital. The latest monster wasn't necessarily the strongest, but it was by far the most clever. It started acting up a couple of weeks after the clutch had been taken care of, 
Uh, we wouldn't have known about it if my niece didn't receive a kind of omen about it, this psychic warning that made her sick, and I ended up having to stay behind to make sure that she was all right. I guess Cassius knew that it was up to something at a place called the Lovely Night Inn. It's uh like a woodsy vacation motel outside of town a little bit. Beck and I tried to do some background research on the place, but the only weird thing about it was that the previous owners had all of their records wiped. Cassius and I had this great cover where we were on a really hedonistic bender, and the night clerk was real chill about it. Truly the only good ally. She set us up with a room far away from everyone. There was some real confusion at that point about who worked at the hotel between a kid named Ezra and one named Dexter. One of them was our waiter. Maybe one of them was a ghost. Maybe one of them wasn't. I don't know. It was all real confusing. I offered one of them a drink from my wine bottle, but that didn't clear anything up. Ezra, Dexter, whatever. Not important. Now, what is important is about the puppet doll room, because holy fucking hell. The fucking teeth, the shit, the claws. Yeah, so things kind of fell apart not long after that. We tried to proceed all at Scoobert do and split up to cover more ground, so of course the monster went and split us up more. The hotel had some secret passages and trick rooms that were very nearly kind of cool, and then it stuck June in a room full of creepy-ass killer club dolls. We did our best to banish the monster, but not kill it. On our way back to the room, that Baron guy showed up to talk with June. Apparently, he wanted them to suck the ghosts into a weird mirror. I don't know why, exactly, but it felt sketchy. I say this because I know June will never hear it to tease me, but I hope they're okay. Once June figured out that it was a poltergeist, I had a pretty good idea of what to do, so... I went back to the room, and I sat down with my creepy doll, and then I beat it in a staring contest, so she told me that this whole thing was the Beacon's fault, and I misheard. I thought she said Deacon, I said Deacon, and then she said no, Beacon with a B. So I asked Beck about it, and apparently the Beacon fucking sucks, which I was like, again, are we talking about Deacon? Because I hate that guy, but I guess we weren't. So anyway, we gathered a bunch of salt from the kitchen, dodged a couple of flying knives, then we went down into the secret murder basement to catch some ghosts. All things considered, not too bad. Flint made a Ghostbusters vacuum and sucked them up, but not before I had another classic experience of getting the shit kicked out of me. And as I understand it, the poltergeists were once the managers of the Lovely Night Inn, before this Ezra figure poisoned them. I guess they had figured it out and had just enough time to murder Ezra in revenge before they had succumbed. Ezra only seemed to manifest as a spirit not terribly long ago, but with the defeat of the poltergeist, they were able to pass on, or so I'm told. Because of the sheer frequency of these encounters in recent weeks, I am certain that we will run into another. Until then, however, nothing to report. If you are listening to these recordings, then something has happened. I request that you think wisely about what to do with them. Thank you.